Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, happy new year on the Wise Guys. We welcome you to the first week of 2024. This is the number one BYU sports live stream talk show in the entire world. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. So as we hit the air on January 1st, we're taped. The live stream's still hot, so you can get on there and talk with each other. But with it being the holidays, uh, we wanted to get together. And, and we thought what, what great hour we could do is look back on the year of uh, uh, the big things and the not-so-big things in BYU sports. And also, as the start of the new week, the Big 12 begins at the end of the week, so there's a lot to talk about about what's going on right now. Yeah, so it's a year-end review, um, the year in sports, but it's also a look forward because the, the winter season for the Big 12, BYU had a very successful fall season in the Big 12 across yeah. multiple sports. And now a chance to look into uh, maybe some of the surprises that we're looking at uh, as they roll into the into the Big 12 winter season. Um, basketball team being one oh, of yeah. them, right? Surprise. Hey, we'll talk about all of that. It's going to be an awesome show. We remind you, to, as always, to follow us on YouTube. We got a link in the chat. Uh, hit the subscribe uh, there at the, on the on the website or on, on, the, on the YouTube site. It's all free. And then uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitch and YSGuys.com. Uh, you'll get our weekly email. Yeah, you got to subscribe. Make sure you subscribe, subscribe to us on YSGuys.com, right? Because then you get the weekly email with highlights from the show, past interviews, um, and there's such good stuff. I was just talking to somebody the other day at the basketball game that we were doing yeah. um, and was telling him about it. And he looked it up. He looked up Wise Guys. He subscribed right there. And then the next week, the next game we did, he came back and said, wow, there's a lot of amazing interviews there. I was like, yeah, there are. He goes, I, like, man, you guys you guys had some dudes there. He goes, I, that Steve Young, uh, Vice Gehem interview, my favorite. And I yeah. said, well, that's one of our favorites too. That's, it was a great one. And, and he says, I haven't seen the Danny Ainge one yet. I got to see the Danny Ainge one. I said, well, see that one. I said, make sure you see the Marie Osmond one and the Sherry Do one while you're at it. And how about the Wally Joyner one? And, and we just had Jimmer. And he's like, yeah, I got a lot to catch up on. So yeah, Kyle Van Noy, who's rocking it with the Ravens and of course Sherry do uh, all of that waiting for you at wiseguys.com and by the way our show last week was was so much fun because we just put clips of the, the interviews we've had on the show like a two minute here or three minute here uh, if you're bored uh, or just need something cool to listen to it's waiting for you at wiseguys.com and uh, and you get you know I, I think we had 20 25 different vid- it, clips on it's there. a highlight film it's a yeah. highlight show one one hit after the other yeah and, and lo- lots of good fun stuff and then the full interviews are waiting for you at wiseguys.com so tonight our wise guys year in review we're going to look at our top 10 plays on offense defense and special teams and our bottom five so start thinking about that what was the biggest play of the year what was the worst play of the year? And I think I already know what you're thinking about. <laughs> it came on first and goal I, I, from the two-yard line. I can think of a couple of the worst places of the year, right? <laughs> Let's so. jump into some headlines as we launch into the new year. With a lot going on, and BYU's football team, they just announced their uh, recruiting class in December. They'll have another one in February. Yeah, this, is the early, this is the early signing day, so this is just part of what they're going to have for a recruiting class. And then the shopping in the portal has not got anything to do with this. No. Uh, and, 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 so, and the portal's open still. 
Yeah, um, I think it closes tomorrow yeah, and, and then it's back open in April. That's right. And then there's another, then there's an, yeah, another opportunity there. This initial class, this early signing class, was very defense heavy. Yeah. Um, and they addressed a lot of the pressing needs. I mean, what have we been talking about over and over and over again? And you've asked me and we've asked guests and, and everybody said, man, they really need to load up on the defensive line. And I don't think any position was addressed more aggressively than defensive line um, as multiple big physical guys in this uh, initial signing class, the early signing period, um, really going to help out on the D-line. They got some defensive backs, they, a couple of linebackers. Um, but well, that's we, good because I watch Kansas and Oklahoma State in their bowl games. Yes. And I'm thinking, we've got to stop those guys. Yeah, they, and they have some yes. offense. Here they come. Both, both, uh, hey, all these teams in this league have great offense, and you yeah. got to play great defense. And, and I was very pleased. Now, the offense, um, the word, word on the street was, hey, Yes, this was heavy on defense. The regular signing day is going to be a little heavier on the offensive side. There's some transfer portal folks that didn't want to get in the portal before their bowl games. So bowl games are still playing out as we speak. Yep. And so there's there's more news on the offensive side to come. Um, and so hopefully when it's all said and done... Um, this ends up being the best recruiting class in history. It's looking like it's shaping up to be that. And I do know this, in this early signing period, folks that were, were destined to sign early and head-to-head -head with the University of Utah, who's in the same league with BYU and now. let's be honest, that's what we use as a judge. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good barometer because Utah's been a Power 5 school for more than a decade in the Pac-12. Yeah. They've been recruiting with that for the last decade and had some good recruiting classes. So now that now that they're in the same league, how's BYU going to go head to head? And uh, the ones that they were going head to head, at least for this early signing, BYU got more than they didn't get head to head with Utah. My, I'm hearing like 19. They kind of went head to head on anywhere from 11 to 12 that BYU got that they're trying to go after. So you're gonna you're gonna get some of those. You're not, but BYU fared very well um, against their against their conference rival. That sounds weird. Yeah, I watched that. the Northwestern game. Northwestern beat Utah, mm -hmm. held them to seven points in the Vegas Bowl, and Utah looked like a first year P5 team in that game. Yeah, they, against a not a very good one Northwestern team. I'm like. The, the, you know what? They're going to take their licks coming into the Big 12. Anyone thinks that Utah or Arizona, Arizona State or Colorado are just going to march into the Big 12 and and uh, and head right to the top? We'll see. Yeah, and, it, you, and Utah but, had a they had a really good run there the last couple of years when they they had Cam Rising at quarterback, who was an elite level quarterback and and healthy there for a period of time that was running all over the place and causing defenses problems. Um, and they had a multiple NFL guys on the defensive side. This was a reset year for them. They're, they weren't as dominating mm. defensively. Um, they, they didn't defend the pass as well. And guess what? The Big 12 is a crazy pass league, yeah. right? And, and an offense, it just goes to show, and BYU's had these struggles in the past as well. When you're not great at quarterback, you're not great. Period. Period. Yeah. Right? And they weren't great at quarterback. Now, news is Cam Rising's coming back. But what made Cam Rising great? His ability to run. That's He is a playmaker with his feet. And nobody's ever said, man, this is the greatest pocket passer in the history of the game. No, he was okay. He was phenomenal at making plays. So when he comes back from major knee reconstruction, is he the same guy? You don't know. If he is, he'll be really good. If he's not, then Utah's going to struggle on offense Again, and if BYU can't find an answer at quarterback, they're going to struggle right. on offense again. It's it's the most important position in team sports, and you've got to be great at that position or you're not great. One thing we're going to find out later this month, really in two weeks, 
uh, when we're told the Big 12 schedule will be released is when the Cougars and Utes will play, we think, Thanksgiving weekend. We hope Thanksgiving weekend. Will it be a Saturday? Will it be a Friday? Will it be on Thanksgiving? I don't know. We're going to find out in a couple of weeks. And we can also say on this show, which is the first show we can say it, later this year, on That's August right. 31st, BYU and Southern Illinois will kick off the new season. Um at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And I don't know why, but it always feels closer when you can say, uh, not, we don't have to say next year anymore. It's right. like, no, it's, the countdown's on. We're less than, uh, we're play in August. That's eight months. It's 2024. And the, the 2024 opener yeah. is, so. is Southern Illinois on August 31st, right at, right at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So that's so. going on with football. I'll have more on that in a moment as we break down the plays of the year. Men's basketball, this is the week. The Big 12 opener Saturday night against Cincinnati at the Marriott Center. 8 o'clock Mountain Time is the tip. Pre and post game on BYU TV. And it's the Cougars and Bearcats. It'll be historic. The Marriott Center will be full. The place will be rocking. There's never been a Big 12 game in Provo. And and we're getting one on here, Saturday. Here we go. That's like January and February are all Big 12 and it's exciting. And Nobody had any idea, including us, that this basketball team was going to go into Big 12 with the kind of success that they just had in October, November, and December. No. Nobody. Not a single person can say that they thought. If they say that they thought the BYU was going to play the way they did through these three months, they, they are lying to you. And we include the head coach in that. Yeah. Everyone has high hopes. Well, you know, if this works out and this and this. They haven't been healthy but one time, and that will be this weekend. Right. This weekend is when they're all expected to be on the floor uh, for the first time. So it's also the first week where they've been able to practice as a whole unit. Remember, when we went to practice in the summer as they were getting ready for Europe, uh, Khalifa wasn't practicing. Baker. Uh, Baker wasn't practicing. Uh, and, and they still weren't practicing. Then Foose gets knocked out in the Thanksgiving Day game against USC. Yeah. And J- so, Jackson Robinson had a sprained ankle that kept yeah. him out a little bit. Like, and, but they, they should be going into the Big 12 season. They should be healthy. For the first time all season, right? Yeah. And uh, I don't, I can't imagine how good they might be with everybody. It may be a problem though. Mark may not be able to figure out how many minutes to play everybody because having guys hurt has been a little convenient and they've been so deep that they've been good even when they've had injuries. Um, and and we're just, we've gotten glimpses of different, different players and man, they've got so many guys that can shoot the ball, Dave. That's what's been exciting and Every time you and I get to talk to an opposing coach, they all say the same thing. Man, this team can really shoot it. But the most remarkable thing is teams that have this many guys that can shoot it don't usually play defense and rebound the way this team does. How is Mark getting this team to focus on the rebounding side of things and to play defense so connected like they do? Because usually great offensive teams don't have that much interest. So kudos to Mark and, and his staff for getting this team to play on both ends of the floor through these first three months of the season and come come out of, out of uh, uh, the preseason and, and going into the Big 12 season with way different expectations than any of us had. And Dave, you and I have been talking earlier today and last week about the metrics, about the analytics. Mm-hmm. Now, ESPN has this matchup predictor where they throw all kinds of analytics into the computer and it comes out with a percentage chance to win each game that's in the future. So I, I took a look at every game in the Big 12 in January and February. because I thought, hey, And so B, BYU plays seven Big 12 games in January, um, and they play eight Big 12 games in February. The matchup predictor in ESPN has BYU going 5-2 in January. 
What? Yeah. And they have them going six and two in February. So they have them beating Cincinnati, 81.2%, losing at Baylor, who, by the way, is nationally ranked and really good. Um, they they say they have a 34% chance to win that one. So there's the one, one loss, the first yeah. loss. They have them at Central Florida, 60% win chance. Um, Iowa State at home, 63.7%. This is a 10-2 and two Iowa State team, 63.7% win chance. At Texas Tech, who's who's nine and two going into the season, fifty eight percent chance to win on the road. Houston at home, um, of course they're number three in the country. Yeah, right? and they they might be number one. They could be when what, they come in. Yep. So forty um, percent chance they give even if they give BYU a forty percent chance yeah. to beat a Houston team is amazing. And then this is the one that baffles me. They have they have BYU an eighty two percent chance to beat Texas. At home to close out the month of January, so it's five. So the only losses in January, predicted by ESPN's matchup predictor, is at Baylor and Houston at home. What? Yeah. Am I going out of my mind? You know, and that's not the blue goggles. You know, that's not no, us this being is, this optimistic. Is analytics, right? Those are the numbers. So, so now let's now let's go to February, Dave. Um, at West Virginia, seventy six percent chance to win on the road. Um, West Virginia's having a little bit of a down year for them. Um, at Oklahoma is one of the losses, but Oklahoma went Top through 20. November, December, January at 10 and one or, or October, November, December, yeah. uh, 45% chance K state at home. Who's really good. 86% win percentage chance central Florida at home, 90% win chance chance at Oklahoma state, who also is a little struggling. Um, 72.8%. Here's the one that really blows me away. Baylor at home. 70.6% chance to beat Baylor at home. Yeah. And then, then at Kansas State, 58.6. And the, the second loss in February, based on the matchup predictor for, for ESPN, is at Kansas, 38.2%. So, okay. so they have them beating West Virginia, Kansas State, Central Florida, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Kansas State. In February, and only losing at Oklahoma and at Kansas in February, that means that they have them going eleven and four in the first two months in the league in January and February. Even if they're just half right, BYU is going to have a great seed in the NCAA. If BYU wins seven games during that time, I will be pumped. Yeah, yeah. Just let's mark that down. But none of us predicted this. Nobody predicted it. But this is not some. This is not us. Going, hey, now that we think they're so great. It's not this the is a, wise guy's pick. This, this, is, this is the ESPN matchup predictor who, by the way, in football got BYU pretty much right on the money. Yeah, they did. Much to our chagrin. Yeah. So now to bring it back home uh, with the home opener Saturday against Cincinnati, then Tuesday, January 9th at Baylor. That's their first, well, that's their first road game in the Big 12. It's the second road game of the season. The first one didn't go so great right. at Utah, but they haven't had a road game. They, now, they played in Vegas, but those are neutral games. They played in Salt Lake. That's a neutral game. Baylor will be, and, and it, tip your cap to the scheduler, Baylor will be the second road game of their entire schedule on January 9th. That's nice. Yeah. Keep doing that, and you should always come out of December. Yeah, with a you should be in pretty record. good shape within the first three months. And then UCF on January 13th, so they got that road swing. Now, the Knights are picked to finish 14th. Who's picked to finish 13th? BYU. Not anymore, though. Not anymore. Everybody wants but a that was when the vote was. There's no re-votes, but that's when the vote was taken. And then Iowa State uh, at the Marriott Center on January 16th. So exciting times. Uh, we've never been here before. And so we're curious to see what happens. We've never been in the Big 12 for football. And at 5-2, and two, everyone's going, you know what? 
this isn't that tough. And then reality came. Right. And it turned into five and seven. Uh, and you know what I hate? I hate watching all these bowl games. And, and like 90 teams feel like they're in bowl games and, and we're not in one of them. Well, I mean, this is the thing that, um, that Gavin and I were talking about last night as we were watching the bowl game. We're going, man, some of these teams are not as good as BYU, but they play in leagues. Yeah. Like BYU with the exact same team they had this year playing in the Mountain West Conference, competes for a Mountain West Conference championship, probably wins nine or ten games, and they're in a bowl game. Yeah. But this is a different deal. You're in a Power 5 conference, have a couple of injuries, don't play well, turn the ball over when you shouldn't, you lose games. But, you know, if you're in the Mountain West and you win it, you still go to a bowl that doesn't hold its water yeah, well, to a middle-of-the-road Big 12 bowl. I'd I was thinking that, too, going, well, look, if we were 7-5, and five, we'd be playing prime time against... This team for Another the SEC. P5 team, yeah. And so that's, that's what I we want. I would rather be 7-5 and five in, and in the Big 12 um, and playing in better bowls and having the games that, that mean something in that league than, than be 10-2 and two in the Mountain yeah, West all day sure. long. Because we've been 10-2 and two before. Yeah, and many times. big deal. Women's basketball, the Big 12 home opener. Oklahoma is at BYU this Wednesday, January 3rd at 7 o'clock on ESPN+. And, and this team, like, nobody really knows what to expect from this team because, um, again, when we've talked to opposing coaches and I had a chance to do a women's game here just a couple weeks ago, um, the, the scouting report on BYU women is crazy talent but very young, yeah. especially on the guard line. Crazy talent, a team that can get up and down the floor and shoot it, a rebounder that's second to none in the country in Lauren Gustin. Um, so really talented but really young. How does really talented but really young play out in the Big 12 with the rigors of that level of competition every week? It's just so hard to know. And do they grow up as the season goes on and start start winning more games as they get more experienced? Or does that youth just kind of hurt them all season long and they, they lose games that they shouldn't lose, not because of talent, but because they're just not experienced enough? I have a feeling, we'll see, I feel like it's going to be the latter mm -hmm. with this group because outside of Lauren Gustin, um, they are young Yes. And uh, having lost a couple of players that are ball handlers um, to injury or to uh, moving on and, and leaving the team high and dry, uh, that left them with freshmen yeah. handling the ball. And and this is, uh, you know, those freshmen are going to have to go play at Texas. It's going to be different. And, and here's, the, here's the fun thing to look forward to with that, though. You know, with a lot of sports, we expected football to have some growing years, right, mm -hmm. to grow into it. Basketball, we expected. We'll see if that's the case. Maybe not. Maybe uh, the transfers they got last year are going to pay off this year in their second year with more experience. But in women's basketball, this is the, they've got some really talented freshmen that are playing a bunch right now. So the future looks bright. I think yeah. they're going to be really competitive next year. And then the year after that, then they'll be. Th then they should be contending. Right. Men's volleyball, 19 and 7, 8 and 4 last year. They got the season opener this Friday night, 6 o'clock on, on January 6th at 7 p.m. Mountain Time on BYU TV. Ball State is at BYU. BYU TV gets all the volleyball games at home. Not in the Big 12, right? They're not in the Big 12. So you'll see Cougar volleyball on BYU TV all the time. And we're thankful for that. Ball State, it all starts. Uh, Friday night, January 6th at the Smithfield House. And, and, the, and the volleyball league that the men play in is the best league in all of... Yeah. Hey, it might be the best league in all of college athletics. Because you, you typically have like six teams in the top 12. <laughs> Do you think it rivals the Big 12 basketball league? 
Yeah, I think the, the MPSF, MPSF in volleyball is the equivalent of the Big 12 in basketball. Yeah. Yes. We only hang with the best. Yes. That's how That's we do fun. this. Happy New Year. Uh, keep uh, chatting with each other on our live chat. That's up and live. We've recorded this earlier so we can celebrate New Year's Eve with the family and also have our podcast out all week. And time now for the Wise Guys 2023 Year in Review. We've never done one of these before, but here we are on the first day of 2024, the first week of January. Let's look at football five and seven in their first year as a p5 member of the big 12 among the headlines stunned arkansas on the road 38 31 that will never not be a great win yeah and it was in front in front of a sold out sec crowd uh with a team in arkansas that had a ton of sec speed and talent and they came out and played toe to toe and and that's when we thought whoa maybe this team's a little more ready than we thought for the Big 12. Maybe they don't just go out and win five or six games. Maybe they win seven or eight um, after that Arkansas victory, 38-31 on the road. And then, and then you know, they, they won their big home, um, their Big 12 home opener against Cincinnati, 35-27. to And yeah. we're going, hey, here we are. Here we go. That was a sweet night. The weather was perfect. Uh, it was a late at night, so with the flyover, we didn't get the flyover, uh, which we were bummed about. But uh, 1-0 in the Big 12. It was the first time big tw- big time football had come. Mm-hmm. We've had big time guests, but this was the first time that it was big time football because of the league that that BYU is in. They also beat Texas Tech at home, twenty seven to fourteen. Lost the last five games of the season, so at five and two. Keaton Slovis gets hurt. Uh, they move to uh, uh, Retzlaff for the last four games. Lose all five. Probably could have won two of them. And, and it's the interesting thing is maybe the two of the best three teams they played all season long, they played at the end of the season in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and they maybe played their best football yeah. with a few exception mistakes that cost them in those two games. It, it seemed like they finally put things together but couldn't get over the hump and win. Um, but I, I have to say they competed really well in the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State games. And outside of Texas, in my opinion, those were the two best teams in terms of talent and all that. And think about it, Oklahoma State played in the Big 12 championship. Oklahoma thinks they should have played in the Big 12 championship. Um, So they were clearly, not just us saying that, but based on how the teams finished in the league, two of the best teams in the league, and BYU played some of their best football in those last two games. Day after the regular season ended, uh, Kalani Sitake dismissed the offensive line coach, Daryl Funk, and the tight ends coach, Steve Clark. Hired T.J. Woods as the offensive line coach and running game coordinator. We thought it was important that that position is both. Yes. Which has not been the case. And they're still looking for a tight ends coach. Yeah, and, and I think we're maybe, I think there, there's some conversations with some, again, with some coaches that are involved in bowl games that, that you know, don't want to announce. Um, we had heard about T.J. Woods, and you and I talked about it on this show yeah. for weeks without an official announcement because his team, um, needed to go play in their bowl game, and he didn't want to do a disservice to them, and he wanted to be focused on that. And then the T.J. Woods announcement came. So not only transfer players, but maybe a tight ends coach um, uh, is announced here in the coming weeks. Now let's look at the top 10 plays of 2023. So we have the top 10 offensive plays, top 10 defensive plays. Uh, we'll do the top five special teams plays and the bottom five, which five plus five equals 10. So three sets go. of 10. Um and we're going to go through them briefly, but I think they'll kind of 
take you back to that moment and you can agree or disagree with us on the stream or in your car or wherever you're listening to. Um, there were a lot of plays that were pretty cool. Um, some first times and, uh, and then we get to the five disappointing plays. You're going to feel those all over again. But, uh, so we came up with a list of 10 with one being, of course, the grand finale. It's like the Rose Bowl. One's the Rose Bowl. Right. We start with number 10 and that's Keaton Slovis's first career touchdown run against Sam Houston. And it's like, well, what was so big about that? Well, it was the first game for Keaton Slovis. Mm -hmm. uh, and as mentioned, his first touchdown run of his career. Which is crazy to think about. A yeah. guy that's thrown for 10,000 yards and played that many downs and that many snaps has never had a touchdown run? No. No. And it was like, okay. Uh, but the, the problem is, as we look back, BYU scored 14 points in that game. Yeah. Red flags all over the place. Red flags that signified more trouble ahead when we kind of wrote it off as uh, we didn't know Aiden Robbins had a broken rib. We just thought... He was struggling. Mm -hmm. We, uh, the, the, the Cougars were missing a couple of receivers. Um, you know, Aaron Roderick struggled with not having a, a natural RPO guy, a quarterback. But we just figured, hey, it's the first time out. 14 yeah, they're, they're getting to know each other. Seven transfers yeah. on offense. Uh, they got to get to know each other. Things are going to get better on offense. Yeah, and they didn't get, gr they didn't get great. They got better in some spots, yeah. but but looking back on a 14 nothing win. Now, Southern Illinois in August. If that's 14 to nothing, those same red flags are out. And this time it's like, hey, okay, wait a second. We didn't fix what needed to be fixed. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, hey, so. Hey, one thing that we did see in that game was, hey, this defense looks like they're much improved. Yeah. And we thought that that as well in that game. But but, but we felt like Keaton Slow's first career touchdown was a big deal. And it was the start of a new era. It was BYU with a new quarterback, transfer portal quarterback, in the Big 12. Um Getting his first rushing touchdown. Full house, and yep. it was fun to be back. It was fun. It was uh, fun. Aiden Robbins went for 182 yards against Oklahoma, 25-yarder out of the gate. We have that in there in our top 10 list at, at, at number nine uh, because Robbins had to be in there because when healthy, he was as advertised. Yeah, and that, to me, we put that play in there because it's like, oh. And I remember you and I saying this as we're watching that game and how effective he was, and we're going – this is the Aiden Robbins that needed to play all season long for this offense to be good. This is the one we heard about that rushed for a thousand yards at UNLV. This is the downhill attacking running style that punishes defenders. He was phenomenal in that game. So we give him that play because it was the biggest play for him in that game, but that was the biggest game running the football. Aiden with 182 yards against a really good Oklahoma team where they had Oklahoma on the ropes. And it's number nine because it's a what if play yeah. or a what if game? What if Aiden Robbins is healthy all season long um, and not just the last three games of the season? What what difference does that make in BYU's offense? I would submit that it makes a huge difference to have a healthy Aiden Robbins all I'd season. like to think that it would have prevented Keaton Slovis from getting his shoulder hurt. Yeah, because they were running Keaton Slovis. You never Slovis. know, yeah. but, but I would yeah. have thought that. All right, next on the list, LJ Martin, who came in as a true freshman from El Paso, Texas. He's playing because Robbins' ribs were broken, which we didn't really find out until middle a couple of the weeks season. later, yeah. 29-yard uh, run for a touchdown against Cincinnati in that third quarter of BYU's first Big 12 game and uh, and he looked like a Big 12 player. Yeah, and they win this they win this Big 12 game and 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 let's talk about um 8 and 7 at the same time because our our, our number 7 is LJ Martin's 45-yard touchdown run against Arkansas. Yeah. Um the uh, the week before that. Um and the reason I say let's lump them together is because 
This is a glimpse into the future. So we say that Aiden Robbins play was a glimpse into what could have been had he been healthy. Well, Aiden's going off to the NFL now. He's going to try to go off to the NFL, yeah. but, but he's not coming back. I wish he would be coming back. And so now it's going to be LJ Martin as the feature guy, which he was for part of the season last season. And this was a glimpse of what he could be, a glimpse into the future the next couple of years. Um, and I think he showed up good uh, when, when he was the feature guy and when they gave him the gave him the ball 15, 20 times. He was very effective and showed that he can be a big 12 caliber back. I think they need some depth. Yeah, I think they still need to find some guys to go along with him, but I think L.J. Martin showed us with that 29-yard touchdown run in his game against Cincinnati and his 45-yarder against Arkansas and the game he had against Arkansas um, that he can compete at this level and he can be a big-time Big 12 back. I loved that in that 45-yard run, he ran away from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. They finally caught him as he was in the end zone, but uh, you know, this kid out of high school getting chased by SEC defenders. Once he broke through that hole, he was off to the races with big signs of uh, better things to come. Midway through our top 10 list of offensive plays from 2023. And let's go to Kansas. That was the Big 12 road opener. Um, Keaton Slovis's touchdown pass to Darius Lassiter. That's on the list for a variety of reasons. For one, that was Lassiter's first big, big play. Mm-hmm. And two, it came in a setting where his dad played at Kansas his brother was a defensive back at Kansas. His mom was there. And the only other meeting was doing BYU in Kansas. His dad had like three interceptions in the Kansas BYU Aloha Bowl. So you had all that going on. And then last year catches a touchdown. Yeah. And that's, it is, it's not necessarily just the play, although it was a great play. Yeah. It, it was the fact that it was a little bit of a coming out party for Laster, who, who, by the way, is coming back next season. And, I don't know whether it'll be him or Chase Roberts or, but this is a really good receiving core um, coming back for BYU next year. That's deep and talented and looks very much the part of a big 12 receiving core. And partly because, because of the emergence of Lassiter and his ability, he's very athletic. He's long, he's physical. We saw that in that Kansas game. It was so fun to see him do it in front of family and friends um, back in Kansas where they have a ton of roots. Um, He's going to be really good next year. Let's call a 30-second timeout uh, in the middle of our list because I think Keanu Hill moving to tight end huge is huge, and, and he'll be bigger. He's got great hands. He's a good blocker already, probably one of the best pass blockers in the receiving core. Um, fills the void of Isaac Rex, but gives us a healthy tight end. Um, I think... I think that for a quarterback to have that option in BYU's offense, I didn't really think about it right up until they announced, hey, by the way, Keanu's moving to tight end. I thought, duh, the light kind of went on. Well, and, and think about the success BYU's had with guys like Keanu Hill moving to tight end. I'm going to go all the way back um, to Dennis Pitta. Uh, because remember, Dennis Pitta was a 6'4", 210-pound guy. Receiver. That was a wide receiver, walk-on that put some weight on, and they went, whoa, as he's putting this weight on, he's keeping his receiving skills? Um, this guy might be a really good tight end. Really good was an understatement as he became a NFL pro bowler, like one of the best tight ends in the NFL before his hip injuries. Now, uh, the other one I'm thinking of is Moroni Leolupututau, yeah. who was playing wide receiver, very similar at wide receiver to Keanu Hill, size-wise. Um, and Moroni had one of the same issues that Keanu has. Moroni struggled to stay at the weight he needed to be at to stay down to play wide receiver. And then finally just said, 
why do we keep trying to like do like wrestler work uh, workouts and and weight loss with this guy and keeping him under 220 why don't we just let him go up to 230 and play and Keanu has really had to focus to keep his weight down under 220 right so why not let him go why not get him working out let the boy eat for Pete's sake. Give him another steak. Let 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 this man eat, <laughs> and and let him go up to two thirty five, because I believe he can be two thirty five with the same skills. And at two thirty five and his skills, he's a decent speed wide receiver. He would be a phenomenally fast and agile tight end. You know, in the Big Twelve, we we've seen teams that have locked down corners. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of good athletes. And Texas had a bunch, and Oklahoma. We're glad they're leaving, but. Uh, you know, some of the other teams will have some too, but I haven't seen any lockdown linebackers, and those linebackers have to deal with the tight yep. end, or or even, or even if it's a strong safety, he can be a mismatch for folks at that position. So let's let him eat, let's let him lift weights, let's let him keep his speed, and I'll tell you what makes a great pass receiving tight end. Sometimes there's tight ends that are big guys that are six five six six, and you look at them and you go, ugh. You know, the only thing, I, like, they're great blockers and they're good straight ahead. The only thing I wish is that they were a little more flexible in the hips and the in the knees and the ankles, where they run routes a little bit more like a wide receiver. They're a, little, a lot of these big tight ends are stiff. Yeah. Um, Keanu Hill is not going to be a stiff tight end. He's going to be fluid and able to run routes. Like, And BYU's had great success with tight ends that are flexible and run like wide receivers. Chris Smith. Their three-time consensus All-American guy, Gordon Hudson, um, Dennis Pitta we've talked about, uh, Clay Brown, like over and over and over again, the, the really, really good tight ends that we talk about for BYU are, are the guys that were flexible and fluid and could go out and run routes and, and make plays. Two other reasons to uh, love Keanu Hill. He picked up his two college degrees last That's month. That's right. Pretty awesome. And uh, moving to tight end. All right. Now the timeout's over. Now we're back to our list. Now we're back to wide receivers. Let's go to Chase Roberts, one of our top 10 plays of 2023. This was a 59-yard catch against Cincinnati. Now remember, speaking of Keanu Hill, when Keaton Slovis let go of that football, we're pretty sure he was throwing we for think, Keanu Hill. We think, yeah. And then uh, at the last minute, Chase Roberts, who had kind of been rerouted a little bit by the defense, jumps up, grabs the ball, and since the defense was kind of ready to defend Hill, once Roberts caught it, he was off to the races, and he went 50 yards or so on the ground for a touchdown. Yeah, and Chase Roberts is another guy that's back. Like, think about this receiving core for next year with uh, Cody Epps, who wasn't really healthy all season until the very end this last year, um, with Chase Roberts coming back, with Lassiter coming back, um, with Keelan Marion coming back, who really just started to come into his own and understand the offense toward the end of the season. Um, with Parker Kingston coming back. With, uh, um, uh, Mar- not Marcus McKenzie, Dominique McKenzie coming off of a mission. Right. Who plays wide receiver, who runs a 10-400 meters. The lone um, peak kid. Yeah. Like Cody Hagan. Cody Hagan, who's a, who can fly. Yeah. This next season may be the most talented with not only and a variety of talents, you've got size and you've got flat-out blazing speed that can compete in this league. Maybe the most talented wide receiver core ever coming back with tremendous potential. And Chase Roberts is right at the core of that. And so you, we, we have his, his play highlighted, but it also highlights a position group to really look forward to on offense this next season. Number four on our top ten list was Parker Kingston not catching the football, throwing a touchdown pass to Isaac Rex. 
against Iowa State to make Rex the all-time touchdown leader in BYU history for tight ends. So it came from a former high school quarterback in Parker Kingston, mm-hmm. but not from a current Cougar starter, but it got to Rex. Rex made the record, came on an awful night as Iowa State just pounded BYU, but Kingston to Rex is number four. And we've been talking about about Isaac Rex's record for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think Iowa State was the first day we didn't talk about it, and he finally got it. Yeah, I don't know we what We finally is. decided we had to stop talking about it, <laughs> and they had to have a wide receiver throw it to him for him to get it, no, They to remove all jinxes. But it, but it was big time and so deserving with Isaac Rex, who, who just struggled through that ankle injury from a year ago um, and played not 100% healthy. I'm not sure he was 100% ever this year either. Right. Um, to, to finally... Um, get that record was well deserved, um, and and how about it has to come off of the hand of a wide receiver, on a reverse razzle dazzle. It was that kind of year. Number three, Darius Lassiter's one-handed catch against Texas Tech right in front of the Red Raiders sideline. I think it ended up number three on SportsCenter's top ten that night. Uh, a phenomenal grab, throw was a little high. Slovis just put it in the area. And, uh, and he brought it down with one hand, one of the best catches we've seen. Yeah, we're going to talk about another one-handed one, too, as our number one. But um, it was one of the best catches of the season yeah. um, in, in college. It was a phenomenal one-hander and gave you a look at the kind of range and, and ability to go up and get the ball that Darius Laster has. And by this time, um, he was really coming into his own where we're going, hey, this is, this is like a primary target kind of a guy. He's really developing into a big-time playmaker. If he has the kind of second year that, say, a Jackson Robinson's having on the basketball team. Or, 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 or Noah or no Waterman. Waterman. Yo. Then, hey, last year's yeah. going to be Yeah, it's going to be pretty fun. Good stuff. Number two on the list. Let's go back to Parker Kingston again. Not as a catcher. Right. But as a thrower. And this play was significant because BYU was down 14 to nothing. It's, was it 14 nothing or 14 yeah. 7? But Arkansas had just jumped on them to start the game. BYU comes back and they need a big play. And all of a sudden, the throw to Kingston, he steps back and he chucks it. Uh, I think it was like 30, 49 yards or so to Deion Smith, the transfer from Colorado, for a touchdown against Arkansas. And all of a sudden, the Cougs were in the game. And BYU had a bad habit this year of which they need to fix next year if they want to win a few more games of starting awful. Yeah. And just not getting out of the gates. In both halves. And give and giving the other team just points. And Arkansas was no exception and BYU needed a big play to spark that comeback and this was the play where everybody just went okay. A, a glimpse of some momentum, a great play call, here we go. And then they went from there, and they took that momentum, and and off they went. And uh, Kingston, uh, I did an interview with him the following week on uh, on our pregame show on game day. And, uh, man, he looks all of 14, yeah. 15. But, but, he's, but he is he's blazingly fast. Nails. Blazingly and fast. And he can throw and he can run. Uh, our number one play of the season, the Wise Guys' number one play of 2023 on offense Goes back to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And the number one play on Sports Center that night was uh, the one handed catch by Chase Roberts in the corner of the end zone to beat the Razorbacks, cap a 17 0 run. Uh, nice throw from Slovis, but an even better catch. I still want to go back and watch that. Don't have any idea how he got up and got that and then got in. Yeah. But uh, just a tremendous catch. One of the best catches we've seen all, all time at BYU considering the difficulty of the catch and the gravity of the situation on the road down game winner all of that um 
I think it's the obvious number one for this last we year. Asked, we asked Darius, hey, who was that better one-handed catch, yours or his? He goes, uh, his, because <laughs> that won the game. Uh, Lasseter finished that drive with a touchdown catch as they went on to uh, beat Texas Tech. But but uh, Roberts was a game winner, and he's number one, according to Lasseter. Yep. And he's number one, according I to think, I think we all Wise agree. Guys. I think we all agree. Those are the top ten offensive plays. Now let's move to the defense. You know, there were bigger plays on defense than there were on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and as we march from 10 to 1, you'll see the point. But 10, we're going to start with some uh, new blood on defense. Ciala Acera got his first interception late in the game against TCU. It was kind of garbage time, but it was the first time we called his name. We're going to call it a lot. Yeah, he, he found his way as a freshman into the lineup. Um, and what we saw from him is that not only does he have the size and the physicality to play in the box and be a good run defender, but he has the ability to run and play in space. And this was an example of that with that pick against TCU. Um, we're going to be calling his name for the next three years, and he's going to be a big-time player for BYU. And they're, they they picked up some backers in this recruiting class. This is going to be a strength of this team, and he'll be right front and center with all of that. So we, you have him at number 10 as it's kind of his breakout freshman season where he got significant playing time down the stretch of the season. Number nine, Jacob Robinson, who was outstanding all year. But in that opener, he had two picks. We picked the the one in the end zone that he landed on his back. Uh, you know, Sam Houston, they they brought it. This That was their Super Bowl. And so his interception in the end zone against Sam Houston to help preserve BYU's 14-0 win. Jacob Robinson's number nine. And he, that's just one of a few that we have for him because – he was one of the leading interceptors in the country. And typically safeties who are back there playing center field get a lot of opportunities at, at interceptions. But for BYU this year, it was their corners who really jumped off the page with talent. And Jacob Robinson's coming back this next year with very high expectations. Like, I'm expecting him to be an all-Big 12 and possible all-American candidate this next year. Put on maybe 5 to 10 more pounds. Get himself ready to be considered to be an NFL guy. Um, and pick up where he left off. But this was the start of it this last year with that pick against uh, Sam Houston. Number eight, Isaiah Banya. He'll be back next year. He forced that fumble, and then he recovered the fumble. And this was in the second quarter against Texas, and the Longhorns were driving to what felt like put the game away. They're in the red zone, and Banya makes a huge play, and then all of a sudden it's like the defense believed for a short time until the offense just buried themselves that, hey, we can hang with these guys. We can hold our own against Texas's offense. And rarely do you get a chance to get the strip and the recovery. Yeah. Because somebody else usually picks it picks it up. But um, So in the stat line, he gets an FF, a forced fumble, and he gets an FR, a fumble recovery, um, and just a great a great play. And again, Isaiah, I feel like he was getting his feet under him this year, more effective toward the end of the year, and uh, and he'll be back uh, as, a, as a rush end to – and what I think – was a good debut for Jay Hill's defense, but I think takes a major step forward this next year and is one of the best defenses in the Big 12. They're going to be helped by the return of Tyler Batty, who was on the Wise Guys a couple of weeks ago, and he's in at number seven with his sack at Oklahoma State. Five and a half sacks for Batty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of areas where he can get better, and there's a lot of spots where he's really good. Well, and there's what's going to happen for Tyler Batty is – Remember, this is his first year in this brand-new defense. Different techniques, different assignments. He got better as the season went on. Um, And he's going to have better people that know what they're supposed to do around him next year. Um, He's going to have bigger, stronger dudes inside of him at that D-tackle position. Um, And, you know, they're going to be really aggressive this next year. I think Tyler Batty, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he almost doubles his sack total this next year. Second team, all Big 12 coming out of the season. So you got to figure he's going to be on that first yeah. team list. I, I think he, I think he's made a good decision to come back because I think he's going to be unbelievably productive this next year. In at number six on the top 10 defensive plays of the season, Eddie Heckard's interception on the sideline at Oklahoma State. Now, he had a bunch of interceptions, but send your mind back to Stillwater. Mm. He's defending a guy. He's up against the sideline. Ball's tipped up. He grabs it and still gets his feet and in boom, bounds. boom, two feet. Yeah. And, uh, and at first it was like, what, did he get it? And then uh, the referee turns around, signals BYU's yeah. ball. One of the best <laughs> interceptions of the season, just showing his raw natural ability. His ability to break on the ball, his ball skills, and his ability to catch the ball. Um, you and I were talking about this earlier today. Is that a heckard? You can make an argument that he was the best one-year transfer that BYU had in that class last year. I think so. The biggest impact. And it wasn't just in his production because he was – his production was big time. Like, his ability to tackle in space one-on-one -on -one was phenomenal. Um, his ability to cover and to break on the ball and his ball skills were incredible. But his leadership, we didn't talk about that much. Teammates loved him. Remember, this wasn't his first year in Jay Hill's defense. He knew what he was doing more than anybody on that defense, and it showed in, in how he played and the leadership that he showed I'm out there on the field. So, yeah, Eddie Heckard with our with our number six with a phenomenal play. But Eddie Heckard gets a big two thumbs up from you and I on his impact. As a, and we, we, we think that maybe on defense um, at certain positions, you, you can get by with maybe some one-year transfers on defense, like an Eddie Heckard um, or, or an A.J. Vong Pachong. Yeah. Um, harder on offense. A little more complicated with play checks and all that kind of stuff. And a little harder on defense in certain positions. I don't think you can – a one-year transfer at free safety is not going to work out. They have to make all those calls. A one-year transfer at middle backer, probably going to be tough. Quarterback, tough. Really tough at quarterback. Yeah. Um, but there are some positions where, where it can work, and especially I think corner is one of those positions. Eddie Heckard proved it um, and, and, and played extremely well. Heckard is also number five. Uh, with that one-handed interception against TCU, the Horn Frogs were driving. Remember, they were in the red mm -hmm. zone, and uh, and it's over the middle of the field. And he just jumps up, grabs it with one hand, and then he runs twenty yards. And you're like, you know, this guy has some skills. That was early in the season, yeah. and he never never got too. Uh, um, he always was level. Like you would get excited, but like he's like, yeah, that's my job. That's what I do. I remember that after that pick. I'm thinking he just he just expects to make plays. Yeah, we're going to hear his name two more times as we yeah. move into the top four. Number four is Jacob Robinson, the pick six against Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and uh, you know three point shots is the new love at the Marriott Center. Uh, fans expect it. They want to see it. Dunks are okay. Dunks used to be the thing, mm -hmm. but three point shots are what makes the noise now. Uh, a pick six. Yeah, and the BYU defense does that same thing exactly, and they had numerous this year. So it was it wasn't just a one a one and done thing. Robinson with that one, big time again. He's coming back next year with a lot of expectations to be an all conference performer. And then number three, we go back to Eddie Heckard again. His pick six against Oklahoma State. Uh, the receiver zigged, and the quarterback thought he was going to zag, and he just threw it right to Heckard, and he runs what twelve yards yep. into the end zone, Too and all easy. of a sudden we're going. Not only should BYU have beaten Oklahoma, and now they're on the road at Oklahoma State. They're going up 24-6 at halftime. How do they not win that one? Mm. They should have won both of those games. And and, and that's one of the growing things. they got to learn how to finish in yeah. games like that. Um, and, then, and we're going to follow that up with our number two. That's another Eddie Heckard. A fumble recovery, so a scoop and score for a touchdown against Texas Tech. 
What didn't this guy do last season on the defense? He did everything. And we interviewed him afterwards on uh, the coaches uh, on our pregame show, game day. And we talked about that play. It was his first defensive touchdown. And we said, uh, and he came from, uh, you know, Batty and those guys knocked the ball loose. It's in the end zone. Mm-hmm. People are trying to get on it. He comes from the outside in. And uh, I said, what was your strategy? He said, you know, a lot of people, uh, they just jump on the ball, you know, in, in this dive thing. He goes, but you got to jump to the side and get it with your hands and he, pull he it in. He knew exactly what he was talking he about. He wasn't going to give that touchdown up to a teammate. And he grabbed it, and uh, I t- Texas Tech never recovered. He was He's all about technique and doing the right thing and did it. And isn't it interesting? Um, we almost had as many scores that we talked about on defense as we did on offense. And that was a problem last year, right? The fact that the defense at times, it felt like, man, if the defense doesn't score, there's not going to be a chance here. That's got to change this next year. BYU's offense has to be productive. We were saying the old days, um, we said it all this last season, before BYU's in the Big 12, during this season, and I'm going to say it again. You need to score 35 points a game in that league or you're going to lose a bunch of games. The old standard of the old days of, hey, you hold a team under 24, you should win. Well, you're not going to hold great teams under 24 in college football today, especially not in the Big 12. You need to score 35-plus or you're going to struggle. So this offense needs to get it going. The number one defensive play from the wise guys from 2023. And this one uh, you might not think about. Uh, until we bring it up, and then mm-hmm. you'll go, oh, yeah, that was the number one play. Because you're like, well, what? In a 5-7 and seven season, how is there a number one defensive yeah. oh, play? Oh, absolutely, this is it. But let's go back to Arkansas. Razorbacks are up. They're at midfield. It's fourth and one. You punt, you pin BYU into the side of the 10. You go for it. You don't get it. BYU gets the ball at the 50. What'd they do? They stuffed them. Thule <laughs> and Vong Pachang. Um, they, they, they stuff them, and that kick starts this comeback. Uh, and BYU scored on their next three possessions to win the game 38-31. This was, is what started it all. That's hard for a coach because you're like going, I, we own this game. Yep. Uh, Kalani goes for it all the time. We own this game. We're going to show that we can get a yard. But if you don't, the game can change, and the game changed on that play. Well, and you put it in BYU's defense's hands, which at the time was the wrong thing to do. You'd have been better off to punt it down inside the five and try to put it in BYU's offensive hands because – yeah. They struggled more than the defense. The defense seemed to make more plays. They go down there, and Kingston gets his touchdown, and, uh, and they score 17 straight yep. and win the game. That's it. All right, our special teams top five. And this was an interesting thing because BYU had one of the best punters in the country, and for a while they had one of the best gunners in the country until he got hurt. And uh, That gunner will be back and playing in the secondary this And we look year. forward to that. Uh, but we start with number five because rarely do you have this deep snapper go down and recover a fumble. Yeah, and it was Austin's last year. Austin Riggs um, snaps the football, runs down and covers. Um, he's, he's a very good athlete as, as that long snapper. He's been held that position down for the last four years for BYU. Um, and he recovers the fumbled punt against Cincinnati, which was instrumental in that win in their first Big 12 game. So the snapper recovers the fumble. Number four, Marcus McKenzie, the gunner, uh, recovers a fumbled punt against Southern Utah, and they follow that up with a touchdown as they pulled away uh, in the fourth quarter. But McKenzie uh, was in on the hit, but the ball hit the, the, the Southern Utah um, it took a funny bounce and hit the hit the guy and it bounced free. But McKenzie gets up, grabs the ball, does a somersault, and, and lands on his back. And BYU's got the football again. He's just electrified. Remember, he told us, "I heard it hit the player." <laughs> we said, "Did you see it hit him?" He goes, "No, I heard it. I knew it hit him because I heard it." And then he went and recovered it. Yeah. So he's got a knack. He, he he created an issue where every 
special team that they played against had to double team him or he was going to create havoc. And that means that somebody else is going unblocked. So he had a huge role in cover teams this last year. He'll he'll continue to do that, but I think we'll see a lot more of him in the secondary this next year. Number three team play on special teams. Now we, we have the deep snapper running down and getting a fumble. This time we have the punter, this, Ryan this Rico. Never happens. This never happens. He kicks the ball, and there's a bunch of running around. Tyler Batty hits the Texas Tech return man so hard that he fumbles the ball right to Rico, and BYU gets it back. And Rico's one of the best athletes we've ever seen punting the football. Looks like he could play outside linebacker or defensive end with his size and strength. Um, so that was big time. I, the, the hit was as big as the recovery. Yeah. So the play overall, that hit by Batty was something special. Just jarred the ball loose, and then Ryan recovers it. And we're going to miss Ryan Rico. Yeah. One of the top punters in the country. He's going to go to the NFL, and, uh, and BYU's got to replace the punter. They got the kicker back. We're yes. going to talk about him in just a minute. Number two special teams play of the year, Ryan Rico, the punter, throwing to Tyler mm-hmm. Batty, the defensive end slash special teams specialist, 36 yards at Oklahoma State. It was the perfect call at the perfect time uh, late in the first half. Oklahoma State didn't see it coming, and Rico caught it, threw it over the middle to Batty, and he was off to the races. And I remember saying there's no way they're going to lose this game at this point. Everything was working. Everything is working. Everything is going their way. They have all the momentum. Oklahoma State cannot come back from this. Yeah. Why did I say that? Well, because because, because we had watched the first half. That's right. BYU was dominant. That takes us to our number one special teams play on the season. That comes from that Oklahoma State game late in the game. In fact, on the last play of regulation, Will Farron, the new uh, field goal kicker after what felt like 10 years of Jake mm-hmm. Oldroyd. Mm-hmm. Um, boots a 48-yard field goal in the rain right down the middle to force overtime at Oklahoma State. And that's when we all looked at each other in the green room at BYU TV and thought, you know what, we have a kicker for two more years. Yeah. And, and it, he took the um, the doubt out of the kicking game. Like, didn't you just expect that BYU would make every kick? Yeah. I got to the point where I'm like, well, this he's he just doesn't miss. I have every confidence that he's going to make everything, and I do moving forward. So BYU is set at kicking uh, with Will Farron, and he's a he's a Davis Dart. So you know I have a special I know place in my heart for Davis Darts. All the Fowlers are darts. Uh, that brings us to the bottom five, and uh, this will be the painful segment of the show. And we'll move on to the other sports as our wise guys year in review here on the first week of the new year, twenty twenty four. Let's go to the bottom five. And we start with number five. Sadly, we had a lot of plays we could include well, and, in the bottom five. And, and what's really sad is five and four are in the same game. <laughs> yeah, and Costas. And right, and right almost like kind of back-to-back. So yeah. let's go with number five, Parker Kingston. It's the second offensive play from scrimmage for BYU. It's zero to zero. He gets nailed by the Kansas mm-hmm. cornerback or Ca- safety or linebacker. I don't Ca- know. Catches the ball. Kingston catches the ball and turns and just gets slobber knocked and fumbles it's picked up and taken in for a touchdown right and just like that it's seven to nothing on the road the place is going nuts and now byu is in some trouble they bounce back they take the lead at halftime yeah. they, they but they come out Go and, the, and the start of the second is very similar to the start of the first and that's the number four play on the bottom five uh, pick six slovis picked off First possession of the second half. So in two possessions, and you mentioned a moment ago, they got to get better at starting games. And, and halves. And halves. 14 points in a game that they should have and could have won on the road in the Big 12. They, they had games this year where you'd you you know you'd say, well, the other team 
has 21 points and they have less than 100 yards of total offense because the offense is just giving them points. You can't win games when you spot teams, and they did that a bunch this year. Kansas was a game where I felt like they matched up, but they just kept giving Kansas opportunities, and our five and four are both examples of that in that Kansas game. Number three in the bottom five. BYU's back out on the road for the first time since the Kansas game. Remember, they came home and, and beat Cincinnati. And then they go to TCU, first possession of the game in an environment that uh, the, the Horned Frogs were excited to have BYU back, old rivals from the Mountain West. And uh, Slovis is picked off on the first possession for a touchdown. Mm. So it just kills you. So, and the, you know, the theme's going to continue in a, as, as we move on here. And really, and we're only talking about the top five. But uh, that pick six, what it did, uh, TCU wasn't very good. They were good that day, but they started with blood in the water, yeah. and then they just pounced. And BYU could never recover. No. Never recover. And then now let's go to number two, um, because this was one of a couple of huge mistakes in this game. And, and we, were, we were hopeful because... We thought, well, look, it's the third straight road game. Don't give up a touchdown on your first offensive no, possession. No, don't do it. You know what? They went a few downs. They didn't give up a turnover. Like, so hey, they sent, great the field, sent in the let's, kickoff. Let's, hey, it's a three and out. Let's just punt it. That's, let's send Rico in. A three and out seems like way better than anything that could have happened because they could have thrown a pick zero. six or had a scoop and score. Yeah. No, let's have a 75-yard punt return for a touchdown. Right up the middle. And so even there, first possession on the road could not end. Without a touchdown. And didn't they throw a pick like on the next series? Yeah. It was, it it was got just, worse from yeah, there. Yeah, it got worse from there. It got worse from there. But I thought the, the, the thing was... BYU, BYU was not into giving up takeaways. They were into giveaways. Giveaways. They were very giving on the road. Three straight road games where in the first possession they gave up... On offense, they gave up touchdowns. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so, But that that's nothing compared to the number one play on the bottom five. Which, uh, I think which everybody, is sting. everybody agrees on this one because it still stings. It's going to sting for some, some time, maybe forever, because Oklahoma is never coming back to Lavella. Well, and Oklahoma was on the ropes. And when you have the ball on the one yard line, your quarterback's or, knocked or, out. Of the I, game. Came, I don't think it was on the one, it might have been two on the yard line. Two first yard goal. Line. And it's first down. And all you need to do is run the ball three times if, at worst case scenario. And you know Klein's going to go for it on four. Basically, you could run the ball four times. And if you don't get it in, you don't deserve to win. And but they BYU, would have gotten it in. BYU had just ran three plays for 58 yards. And, and by the way, Aiden Robbins was healthy and running like a truck. I know. and then But Jake, let's throw a 100-yard pick six. <laughs> Jake Retzlaff tried to throw it to Cody Epps instead, and he got picked off. And uh, instead of BYU taking a 24-17 lead with um, with Dylan Gabriel already knocked out of the game. Yeah, Oklahoma and, and BYU was playing lights out on defense in this game. They would have got up 24-17 with all the pressure on that freshman Oklahoma quarterback. And remember, they were still playing to get into the Big 12 championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it's a 14-point swing. Uh, Oklahoma goes up. BYU, to their credit, still comes back and ties the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then had a couple other plays that were candidates for the bottom five. Yeah, they, they were candidates. That didn't crack the top five. But that 100-yard pick six, and as we were sitting there in our little platform area for our BYU TV game day stuff, and we're watching it, and we're listening to the crowd. And there was just, and there were a lot of Oklahoma fans in there, but it was just this, this weird, quiet sound as this guy was running 100 yards for a touchdown, and we're thinking... Tell me that didn't happen. And you turned to me and said, why does BYU not have nice things? Why can't they have nice things? Why can't nice we things? have nice things? Oh, my. And you know what? This too, you know, we have a new appreciation for the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. 
because had they ran the football, they'd had a Super Bowl. And 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 they all and they have one of the best running backs at that time yeah. in in professional football and didn't just hand it. And then we and you you know and then we did the same thing. Yeah. Of all the plays from last season, that one is the one that um, defines the season. Yeah, it's it's it does say a lot about what BYU struggled with, and it yeah. was turnovers on offense. That uh, my 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 most memorable play of the year would either be the Chase Roberts catch or that 100-yard pick six for good and for bad. Yeah. Those are my two most memorable plays. Those are the wise guys plays of the year. Let's hope next year when we're doing this list that uh, we have fewer in the bottom five and uh, more spectacular ones in the top ten on offense. Yeah. Um, because yeah. that's where they got it. They got to improve the most. And, and I believe they offense. will. I, I think they make a major, major upgrade defensively, and they were pretty good defensively. And I think offensively, you're going to see back to the good old days with BYU moving the football. Let's jump through the sports on campus as we look back on 2023 here in this first week of 2024. And we go right back to men's basketball. We mentioned earlier the Big 12 opener on Saturday. But looking back at the year, what a very unusual year for men's basketball they finished their last season in the west coast conference in fifth place 19 and 15 overall no postseason fast forward to the backside of 2023 Mm -hmm. and they've been uh, one of the great stories in college basketball earning a net ranking of number one for a while for a while and an ap ranking as high as 14 they've been pretty much in the top five the whole month of december how do you do that from from March to December with mostly the same guys. Well, the the beauty is Mark went out and got Mark Pope went out and got multi year guys out of the transfer portal that that changed dramatically. He also had return missionaries come back and injured guys come back who improved dramatically. So it's the same core of guys, but it's not the same guys. No, no, Waterman is not the same guy. He's way better with a year under his belt. Jackson Robinson knows where his shots come from. He may be the best shooter in the country right now, a year later. Dallin Hall is a year better removed from his mission. Um, Trevin Nell, who was never really healthy last year, comes back and is healthy. He's the guy that everyone always expected him to be. Um, now, Ali, Ali Khalifa is a, a new new first-year transfer, um, and he's turning out to be one of the best big men pastors we've ever mm-hmm. seen. Um, and then I'll tell you another guy that, that we haven't talked enough about. Atiki Ali Atiki is way better than he has developed so much in this last 12 months and is way better. So so basically it's – and Spencer Johnson was great last year, and he's great again this year, as consistent as ever. So everybody is a little bit better, and that's the difference, right? Last year – January, they were 98 in the net. And uh, and here in December, for, for a couple of weeks, they were number one in the net. And we have hardly, we've hardly one. even seen Foose. Yeah. And he's one of their best weapons. And, and Dawson Baker, we haven't And he's one seen of their him. best weapons. Um, so what a year. All, all jammed into 23. Yeah. At the end of 23, uh, the basketball season last, last March, it was, what direction are we even going? Do you need to make a change? What fifth place for the second straight year, and we're going to the Big 12, we're going to get killed. Fast forward those uh, six months, and uh, and now it's, uh, are we a three seed in the NCAA tournament well, or a two? What's Joe Lenardi we, say we today? We were talking about, well, 19 and 15, and that would be great next year in the Big 12. 19 yeah. and 15 in the they'd Big 12, the they'd be in the tournament for sure. And now we're going, wait a minute. That's the, the ESPN? 
has him win in 11 games in January and February in the league? I'm telling you, that's what dramatic. What is going on around here, right? Dramatic turnaround, and we give credit to Mark Pope and his staff and those guys who have all elevated their game. Can they get to 20 wins? They look like they could get to 20 wins, and if they get to 20 wins in this league, they're a top-five seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Wow, what a difference the fall season makes. Women's basketball, BYU finished their uh, Amber Whiting's first year as head coach at 16-17 and 17 with an appearance in the WNIT. Lauren Gustin decided to return for her final year. That's the best recruiting job that, that Amber did. Yeah, she's on her way to becoming BYU's all-time leading rebounder. And then Amber went out and signed some recruits, got her daughter, uh, who was a four-star commit to Oregon. And playing well. And playing well at BYU. Signed Delaney Gibb, the number two rated guard out of Canada. Remember, she was on Wise Guys the night she mm -hmm. announced her decision to pick BYU over Utah and just about every other school here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So Gibb and her Raymond High School basketball team, coached by her dad, Alan, going to play at American Fork here in Utah County on this Thursday, this Thursday, January 4th at 4.30. So the Canadian team is down here on a right. tour. So if you want to watch one of BYU's future stars, you can go cheer on Delaney on Thursday. If you're there, also cheer for my niece, Callie Condi, who will be playing for American Fork. She'll be shooting threes for the cavemen. Um, so that's, that's a personal interest of mine, and we all have a personal interest in Delaney, uh, who's going to come to BYU next season. So that's Thursday, January 4th at 4.30 at American Fork High School, Delaney Gibb on display. And uh, she's going to add to what is already becoming a great future really, guard Really, really talented guard yeah. line. Hey, and fast forward now to the end of 2023, which we just watched this fall part of the basketball season. Um, you have Lauren Gustin back, as you mentioned, great recruiting job. She's still uh, a rebounding machine, just like she was mm -hmm. last year. That won't change in the Big 12. She doesn't lead the nation in rebounding. We'll all be disappointed. Surrounded by this young basketball team um, who's got double-digit wins. Yeah. So they're way ahead of last year. Um, and now they got to go compete in a really difficult league, but they're, they're much improved. Men's volleyball rebuilding year in 2023 went 19 and seven, eight and four in the MPSF, 14 and 0 at home. We mentioned they start the new season this Friday against Ball State at the Fieldhouse. Lost to Stanford three to two in the semis of the MPSF tournament at Stanford. And so that's how their season came to an end. Um, we're going to have the head coach, uh, Sean Olmstead, on with us uh, in the coming weeks. And uh, that's uh, that's still the the show on campus. Men's yeah. volleyball. You but get hey, a seat in there. I, you're and, lucky. And your rebuilding year, you go 19 and seven <laughs> when they had a bunch of freshmen playing. And just like is normally the case, um, this season expectations are: hey, they got to compete for a national championship, which that's the expectation every year for that program. But that says something. That's a high bar, but that's the bar that Sean Olmstead loves. Women's volleyball, they finished 25 and 7, 13 and 5 in the Big 12, third place, 13 and 2 at home, ranked in the top 25 all season, climbed as high as 8. They finished, I think, 18th, mm -hmm. and uh, got eliminated by Arizona State in the second round of the NCAA tournament. They'll be back next year, and you know what? Texas won't be. That's right. And that's big for volleyball. It's very big. Let's see. Texas won the national championship, right? They've won it, I think, two years in a row. Yeah. 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 So, well, they, that's good. They can go play in the SEC now. <laughs> That'll be fine. So, how about women's soccer? Uh, they finished 20 and 3, or 23 and 3. I hate that they can still have ties, that they have ties in yeah. um, 10 0 and 3 at Southfield. Three ties at yeah. home. Crazy. So, undefeated at home. Ranked number one for two weeks after beating number one UCLA. Again, how exciting I went was and that? Watched. It was amazing. Being ranked number one. Uh, they finished second. 
uh, and Big 12 championships. They were number one seed in the NCAA tournament, hosted four games. They reached the College Cup again. So they went to the final four before losing to Stanford 2-0 in a game that just drove me out of my mind mm. because Stanford, one of the great defensive teams in all of college soccer, basically parked the bus in front of the goal. They got a couple of fluke. I'm not going to say fluke because it takes skill. But long, like their first goal was this crazy Beckham-like bend it into the upper corner. Like if you if you had nobody even defending and let somebody try to kick it where that where that was kicked, ten times you'd make it once. Um, and that kind of got. And once they got the lead, they they played their brand of defense and they and they beat BYU. But uh, kudos to this team um, for for reaching the College Cup again. Uh, two first team All Americans and 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 Brecken Mazingo, uh, Mazingo and uh, Leve, uh, Leveni. Yeah, yeah, Leveni Vaca. Um, uh, Mozinga named finalist for the Mac Harriman Trophy uh, for the top player in the country. Phenomenal year. Phenomenal Mac year. Herman Trophy. They were Big 12 ready and they proved it. Yes. The team that won the Big 12 was Texas. They're leaving. Yep. BYU will have a lot of new faces because this was a very senior-laden team. Yep. Um, but uh, they always they're in talent. the winning business. Yeah, Jen, Jen Rockwood doesn't shy away from it. She, she expects to be in that College Cup every year. Women's softball and Gordon Eakin, the head coach, is going to be on Wise Guys here in a couple of weeks. Uh, they finished their final year in the West Coast Conference, 35-17, and 11-4. and four. Boy, last spring feels like so long ago. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Runner-up in the NIT Softball Championship. Their first year as a P5 program begins February 8th at the Paradise Classic in Hawaii. And you and I have volunteered to go cover that. It and, our, our, and they said, no, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, they say did. We we even we even asked Jack if we could do wise guys yep. from Hawaii, and he said no because we asked him to pick up the tab, and yeah. he said no. So, so. there we go. Uh, so we expect big things from softball uh, coming up. Women's cross country, men's cross country, they continue to roll along. Yeah, men's cross country finished number three at the NCAA championships. They were ranked in the top five all season long. Um, and did did not disappoint. Um, well, I wanted them to win a national championship, but yeah. And it, but it doesn't it seem like uh, Northern Arizona is always right there. The yeah, Peter, and then Oklahoma State's right there Oklahoma too. State's always right there. So two really good here. teams in the Big Twelve. Women's cross country finished fourteenth at the NCAA championships. They were ranked, ranked in the top ten all season long. Um, Diljeet Taylor was named the Big Twelve Co Coach of the Year. She's going to be uh, on Wise Guys with us on February fifth. Look forward Dilgeet. to that one. Yep. That'll be great. Track and field, the outdoor season. Uh, men finished tenth at the NCAA championships. Six first team All Americans. Uh, Kenneth Rooks. Became one of the greatest stories in sports when he fell during the steeplechase at the U.S. National Championships. He got back up on his feet, was in last place, and then he proceeded to pass everybody in the field to win the race and qualify for the World Championships where he finished among the top 10. Uh, that might be uh, the single greatest comeback story in BYU sports history. And there's a bunch of them, but that one... That one is was awesome. It was one of the great stories in sports this this past year. Period. Yeah. The announcers couldn't believe it. They're like, "What? What, he what is he from? doing?" He, they're coming off of that last turn, and and they're saying, "And Kenneth Rooks, like, where did he come from?" And uh, and his future is still his really really bright and ahead of him. Um, we had Henry Marsh on the show. If you didn't get a chance to hear Henry, one of the greatest steeplechasers in history, the top steeplechaser in the world for a number of years. Came and sat right here next to me and, and mm. talked about Kenneth Rook's potential. Came down from uh, Idaho. And remember he said, uh, I think if everything goes right, 
He could finish in the top, top 10, 10 in the world. And he finished 10th. T- finished, yep. And so his future's ahead of him. He's, he's young for a steeplechaser, and Henry Marsh thinks with the right training, and he loves his attitude that he has a chance to be one of the elite in the world. Pretty cool. Women took 19th at the NCAA Championships for first-team All-Americans in the track and field outdoor season. They're just now in their indoor season. We expect big things uh, this spring. Gymnastics, they finished ranked 33rd, reached the NCAA Regionals at UCLA. They're just getting close to getting their season started. And then golf, men's golf, won the WCC Championship uh, um, to finish out their time in the WCC. They finished 23rd at the NCAA Championships, so top 25 program. Women's golf finished second at the WCC Championships. I'm curious to see how golf goes because you got Oklahoma State in mm-hmm. there. Texas has always been good. They'll be here for this, this the spring, rest of the yeah. spring, and then they clear out. But um, golf is so funny because, you know, when BYU was in the West Coast Conference, they'd go down there to Vegas and play their championship, and Gale Force wins because mm-hmm. that's what Vegas gets in the spring. And, um, you know, and they did great this last year. But but now they're going up against the best of the best, and uh, they'll have to elevate their game. Yeah. Just yeah. like baseball, which faces a, a monster challenge. Basketball faces a monster challenge, which we'll start to see on Saturday yeah. when Cincinnati comes. But, um, hey, uh, it's so much better than rolling out the WCC schedule. It sure is. Isn't it? It's fun. <laughs> it's like, like I said, we go back to what we said about football. I would much rather be 7-5 and five in the Big 12 and playing in a better bowl game, knowing that they've played against that level of talent, than, than win 10 games in the old Mountain West Conference. Hey, we want to thank all of you for participating with us on The Wise Guys through 2023. And a shout-out to our myriad of guests who've joined us. All those interviews waiting for you at wiseguys.com. The best is yet to come. Uh, We'll work to create the largest online gathering of BYU fans in the world. That's our goal, and uh, we're firing out of the gate in 2024. Yeah, we got great guests coming up for you. Um, Let's start with January. Uh, January, we've got former Cougar basketball stars Eric Mika, Tyler Haas, Mark Durant, uh, you already mentioned volleyball coach Sean Olmstead is going to join us. Baseball coach Trent Pratt is going to be in here and preview the season for us. Uh, softball coach uh, legendary Gordon Eakin and BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill and BYU TV's Jerem Jordan. That's all just in January. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome month. When Jay Hill gets here, I have a feeling that we'll want to run through a, raw, a yeah. wall for him. Jay, Jay when is we're a mo- done. motivating guy. So. so we look forward to that. And, and of course, we'll roll with the biggest stories on campus and the inside stuff that we get from our from our access yeah. uh it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun uh, as we get into uh, 2024 it's hard to believe it's here yeah and the future looks amazing yeah. like for for byu some great some great performances in the fall but looking forward um some great great things in store How about, it only gets better let's finish up with our wise guys quote of the week from thomas jefferson Yeah, Thomas Jefferson said, I like the dreams of the future better than the history of the past. Those are our words to live by as we launch into a new year. The future looks bright. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool show this is, Wise Guys. Yep. Uh, We're going to have all kinds of stuff. And and mostly, we're mostly really interested to see what's going to happen Saturday night against Cincinnati. Yep. And and then I I just, when I went through that that matchup predictor for ESPN. Yeah. You can keep that in mind. Let's let's keep let's see how accurate they're. ESPN is saying BYU goes eleven and four in January and February in the Big Twelve Conference. Okay. If that happens, and there's a few games in March, they're a top three seed in the NCAA tournament if they go eleven and four. 
Yeah, yeah. And as they're like, doing I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm having a hard time believing that. But that's the metrics right now. Those are the numbers. That's the analytics. That's just analytics. what the numbers say. 11 and 4 in January and February. Wow. Yeah, a couple of weeks from now, the Big 12 football schedule. That'll that'll shoot some mm-hmm. adrenaline throughout Cougar Nation. Uh, and then, of course, we should get word on uh, when spring Football's going to start. The alumni game. Yeah, Who's going to be the quarterback? A tight, end, a tight ends coach. Tight ends coach. Um, uh, some announcements on transfer portal stuff that will come to light in the next couple of weeks. Um, the real signing day, the actual signing day rather than the early signing day. A lot going on. Football never ends. We'll talk all about all of that with Jay Hill when he comes on the show. So happy new year. And we'll both see you live again on January 8th. Baseball coach Trent Pratt and everything that's going on uh, that involves Cougar Nation. We uh, will be here live for it. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. We're the Wise Guys. The podcast will be up tomorrow. Yep. And we'll see you next week.